welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Tudor, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Episode 58, Skin Cancer Checks, Lifesaver or Scam? Pop quiz, which of these two exposures is the bigger risk factor for a diagnosis of melanoma? Is it A, getting too much sunlight on your skin, or B, having a high number of doctors who conduct skin checks in your area? Before you blurt out the answer, here's a clue. Seek and you shall find. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. I've always preferred the sonorous King James version of the Bible with its yees and thines and verilies and begats. It's just so much more, well, biblical than the anemic modern versions, which all sound kind of like the book of Cyril. There shall in that time be rumours of things going astray. Um, and there shall be a great confusion as to where things really are. And nobody will really know where lieth those little things with, with the sort of raffia work base that has an attachment. At this time, a friend shall lose his friend's hammer, and the young shall not know where lieth the things possessed by their fathers that their fathers put there only just the night before, about eight o'clock. It is written in the book of Cyril. In that- yes, bonus points for the Monty Python fans who picked that as the boring prophet scene from The Life of Brian. Now, back to that pop quiz. If you picked option B, you've probably been reading my other articles about the rampant overdiagnosis of cancer, such as major trial find screening colonoscopy fails to save lives, breast cancer screening when talking to your doctor may mislead rather than inform, new study on screening mammography shows more harm than benefits, PSA screening leads to unnecessary treatment and suffering, and prostate cancer, duplicity, deception, and betrayal. And if you have read those articles, you won't be too surprised to learn of the findings of a nationwide analysis of melanoma incidents in the United States, published in the journal JAMA Internal Medicine. Here's the punchline. Quote, in this cross-sectional ecological study of 727 U.S. counties, melanoma incidence was weakly or unexpectedly negatively correlated with proxies for UV radiation exposure and was more strongly and consistently positively associated with proxies for diagnostic scrutiny. Counties with no dermatologists and shortages of primary care physicians had the lowest incidence, while counties amply supplied with both had the highest, end quote. That quote is from the study called Association of UV Radiation Exposure, Diagnostic Scrutiny and Melanoma Incidents in U.S. Counties. Let's unpack this study together. Firstly, it was co-authored by Dr. H. Gilbert Welch, whose work I've cited extensively in my previous articles on cancer overdiagnosis. Dr. Welch is a gadfly, although a humorous, affable and self-effacing one, to the medical industrial complex, persistently nipping at the duplicitous and self-serving practices that increase its own wealth and power whilst eroding the health of the people who believe they are being served by it. I freely admit my own bias here, but in my opinion, anything that Dr. Welch writes is worth reading. 
Secondly, the study was a cross-sectional ecological analysis. This is a type of epidemiological or population-based study that compares large groups of people rather than individuals at a single point in time in order to identify relationships between a particular exposure, such as smoking, dietary pattern or use of a given drug, and a particular outcome, such as lung cancer, heart disease or birth defects. The groups in this study were the 727 continental U.S. counties that report to the Surveillance, Epidemiology and End Results, or SEER, program, among a total of 3,108 counties. It's important to point out that because individuals don't actually participate in this type of research, that is, they aren't interviewed or examined in any way, unlike in other forms of epidemiological research such as cohort studies, the researchers have to figure out ways to approximate just how much exposure the population they're studying has had to the factors they're interested in. These are called proxy measures. More on that in a tick. The other important thing to bear in mind is that this type of study design can only identify associations between exposures and outcomes. It cannot determine whether there is a causal relationship between the exposure and the outcome. Hence, ecological studies are usually viewed as hypothesis generating. That is, they identify an interesting association that other study designs can then explore in more detail, with the aim of determining whether a causal relationship actually exists. In this study, there were two exposures of interest. The first was ultraviolet or UV radiation exposure from that big fiery ball in the sky upon which all life on Earth depends. The second was diagnostic scrutiny, or how likely people were to have their skin checked by a doctor. The researchers used three proxy measures for each of the two exposures. For UV radiation exposure, they used number one, the UV daily dose, a variable the National Cancer Institute specifically developed for melanoma analyses, number two, cloud variability, and three, temperature variability. For diagnostic scrutiny, they used number one, median household income, which is an indicator of whether people can afford to seek medical care in a country without universal health insurance, number two, the number of dermatologists per 100,000 residents of the county, and number three, the number of primary care physicians, or general practitioners, per 100,000 residents. The outcome of interest was the incidence, that is, the occurrence of newly diagnosed cases of melanoma in non-Hispanic whites, the population group most susceptible to melanoma. To sum up, Welch and his co-authors sought to find out whether the amount of UV radiation that the average white resident of a county was exposed to, and or the likelihood of them seeing a doctor for a skin examination, was related to the incidence rate of melanoma in each county. As expected, quote, proxies for UV radiation exposure change gradually across geography, end quote. That is, the closer a county is to the equator, the hotter it gets in summer, and the less cloud cover it has, the more UV radiation exposure its inhabitants get. You're probably thinking, yeah, duh. But it was important for the researchers to verify that their proxy measures of UV radiation were accurate. On the other hand, Quote, the UV daily dose, a variable the National Cancer Institute specifically developed for melanoma analyses, was uncorrelated with incidence, end quote. Hmm, interesting. So people living in counties which get more UV radiation exposure do not have a higher risk of developing melanoma. In fact, in some instances, an inverse correlation was found. That is, melanoma incidence was lower in high UV exposed counties. But wait, it gets even more interesting than that. Quote, melanoma incidence and proxies for diagnostic scrutiny changed abruptly across contiguous counties, end quote. In other words, counties that were right next to each other 
had sharply different incidence rates of melanoma, even though their UV exposures were much the same. What could possibly be causing this disconnect between UV exposure and melanoma diagnoses? Let's read on. Quote, counties with no dermatologists and shortages of primary care physicians had the lowest incidence, while counties amply supplied with both had the highest, despite having lower mean UV daily dose, end quote. Let that sink in. More doctors but less sunshine equals higher incidence of melanoma diagnoses. Okay, but maybe if you live in a county with fewer skin doctors than GPs, you're less likely to be diagnosed with a melanoma at an early stage when it's more treatable. In that case, we'd expect to see a higher rate of deaths from melanoma in such counties. But no, quote, there was little association between melanoma incidence and melanoma mortality, end quote. Yikes. But maybe the researchers were working with incomplete data sets that weren't capable of yielding accurate information. Ah, but they thought of that. As a computer check, they examined whether smoking rates in each county were correlated with lung cancer incidence and death and found that, indeed, quote, smoking prevalence was highly correlated with lung cancer incidence in the same counties and the analogous association, that is, the association between smoking rates and death from lung cancer, was strong, end quote. Okay, not a data accuracy problem then. There really is only one conclusion to be drawn from the data. You're more likely to be diagnosed with melanoma if you live in an area with plenty of doctors than if you live in an area with plenty of sunshine. Once again, as with breast, prostate and bowel cancer, what we're apparently looking at here is an overdiagnosis problem. Many people are being diagnosed with and treated for melanoma, the most feared form of skin cancer, when what they actually have is skin lesions that would never have gone on to cause serious illness or death if they'd simply been left alone. The consequences of overdiagnosing melanoma are not trivial. Surgery can be disfiguring, costly in some locations, and carries avoidable risks. Topical treatments, oral and intravenous drugs used in melanoma treatment all have side effects that range from trivial to life-threatening and can also be expensive. Just being told that you have a form of skin cancer that can be fatal is highly stress-inducing. And if you follow the strict sun avoidance advice issued by most skin cancer specialists after your overdiagnosis, you'll have both reduced quality of life and biological consequences such as reduced vitamin D and nitric oxide synthesis, which will put you at risk of a slew of other health problems. And all of this for no reduction in the risk of dying of melanoma. But is this study an anomaly? No, it's not. The fact is, there is scant evidence that either sun avoidance or visual skin examination by a clinician reduce the risk of dying of skin cancer. Furthermore, a prospective 20-year follow-up study of nearly 30,000 Swedish women, the melanoma in southern Sweden, or MIS cohort, found that, quote, women with the most active sun exposure habits with non-melanoma skin cancer were at the lowest probability of death, that is, the group with the highest life expectancy. The hazard ratios decreased dose-dependently in both non-malignant melanoma and malignant melanoma groups with increasing sun exposure with fourfold lower hazard ratios amongst those with the most active sun exposure habits, end quote. That quote is from a study called Avoidance of Sun Exposure as a Risk Factor for Major Causes of Death, a Competing Risk Analysis of the Melanoma in Southern Sweden Cohort. 
and I've reproduced Table 3 from this particular study in the post accompanying this podcast episode. I highly encourage you to take a look at this post and closely examine the table. I'm not even going to attempt to read it out on this podcast episode because it just doesn't make sense in that read out form. You really do need to see this. And when you do, notice that women who had non-melanoma skin cancer but got the most sun exposure had an 80% lower hazard ratio for dying of any cause than women without skin cancer who avoided the sun and that there was a trend to decrease risk of death in women with melanoma who got more sun exposure, although this didn't reach statistical significance. If you have a look at the table, you'll see that the confidence interval, which is the two numbers in parentheses, crosses zero in both the moderate and the most active sun exposure groups. And here's the real kicker, quote, non-smokers who avoided sun exposure had a life expectancy similar to smokers in the higher sun exposure group, indicating that avoidance of sun exposure is a risk factor for death of a similar magnitude as smoking, end quote. Again, let that sink in. Following doctor's orders to stay out of the sun is as detrimental to your longevity as smoking And by the way, I discussed the many benefits of getting out in the sun in a webinar that I ran for my EmpowerEd membership group. That webinar is called Let the Sunshine In, The Surprising Benefits of Sunlight Exposure. You can watch this webinar and hundreds of hours of other educational content on health and nutrition by taking advantage of the one-month free trial of EmpowerEd membership. There's a link in the post accompanying this podcast episode. So now that we've established that the Welch et al. study is not an anomaly, and that its findings comport with evidence gathered from a completely different study design, it's time to ask, qui bono? Who benefits from aggressive diagnostic scrutiny for skin cancer? Many of the tentacles of the medical industrial complex get to cash in. The doctors who conduct the skin checks, the pathology labs that analyze the biopsies, the surgeons who cut out the tumors, the oncologists who administer chemotherapy, and of course the pharmaceutical companies that make the treatments for skin cancer. The public health apparatus benefits in a less obvious but perhaps equally important way. Entire departments of, presumably, well-intentioned but woefully ignorant busybodies are kept in taxpayer-funded employ to design social marketing campaigns that hector the public to stay out of the sun and to subject themselves to frequent medical encounters for pointless skin checks. A footnote to this, in Australia we've been pummeled with ubiquitous slip-slop-slap messaging since the 1980s. And with typical bureaucratic mission creep, the slogan is now expanded to slip, slop, slap, seek, slide. I kid you not. Check out the links that I've got in the post accompanying this podcast episode. And thus has the state managed to insert itself into yet another domain of our lives, arrogating to itself the right to weigh in on whether and how we should engage in one of the most enjoyable and beneficial and free activities known to humankind, getting out in the sun. And who doesn't benefit from aggressive diagnostic scrutiny? All the people dutifully attending for screening. Big surprise there. Side note, as emphasized in my previous articles on overdiagnosis of cancer, screening is not the same as diagnosis. If you notice a skin lesion that is rapidly growing, changing color, causing you pain or irritation, or behaving in any other fashion that causes you concern, get it checked by a competent doctor preferably one who doesn't make a sizable chunk of their income from diagnosing and treating such lesions. As a long-time advocate for evidence-based medicine that actually serves the interests of the patient, what a concept, Welch has some stern words for those participating in the skin cancer diagnosis industry. 
he and his co-authors call on melanoma researchers to, quote, focus on the feed outcome of the disease, end quote, rather than just ginning up the number of cases through overdiagnosis. And they urge clinicians and public health officials, quote, not to exaggerate the magnitude of cancer risk factors, particularly for exposures as ubiquitous as the sun, end quote. Incidentally, one of those co-authors is Heather Welch, whom, I presume, is Gilbert's daughter. I, for one, am glad that there is a junior Welch gadfly to carry on her dad's fine tradition of asking awkward questions and pointing out the nakedness of the emperor bestride the medical-industrial complex. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials, and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.